Hello everyone, Phil into camera again. Not what I'd wanted to do, but what can you do? Well, we are today starting a new series in the book of Ephesians. It's called A Bigger Picture. And I want us to get a sense of some bigness again. Uh, it does feel like we've been very shrunk down over this past year, doesn't it? So we've experienced that in terms of uh, Christmas and New Year, uh, spending it with Nobody shrunk down Christmas and New Year, and we've experienced it in church life, haven't we, with smaller meetings and not meeting so much, and experienced it across the board or across life that things seem to have been shrunk down. And personally, I've been feeling kind of very diminished over the uh, past couple of weeks, uh, just with everything going on, kind of felt a bit squeezed and pressed down. Maybe you have been as well. And uh, I've realised again that the danger of basing our feelings upon our feelings. It's very easy to be led just by our feelings, by our emotions. And actually we need something more robust, stronger, more resilient uh, than, than just our feelings to lead us. Actually what we need to do is to stand in the free air of the gospel again and allow that to enlarge us. Uh, we're not just Amazon packages kind of shrunk down and being... Uh, delivered. No, we're people of God who've been called into the vastness of his uh, claim upon us. And the letter to the Ephesians, I think, can really help us to get a sense of, of this bigness again. Uh, it was interesting as we were planning this series um, before Christmas, how many people I spoke to in other churches and said, well, we're thinking about teaching through Ephesians in a new year, feel like we need it. And how many of them were saying, oh, we're going to do the same thing or had, had been teaching through Ephesians before Christmas. Ephesians is a letter which is so packed full of the bigness of the gospel. It's a great place for us to turn at this time when otherwise we might be feeling diminished and uh, small and, and, and contracted. We have put together this booklet to go with the series. Um, sadly, we can't give them to you physically today. There is an online version you can download and uh, one way or another we'll work out how to get you physical copies uh, at some point soon. Uh, the idea of this is it will help you maybe bring it with you, have it with you Sunday by Sunday to follow along and take some notes. And once we get going with life groups again, then we'll also be using uh, the stuff in here as, as a basis for life group discussion. So do get hold of that. Right, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into Ephesians. Lord God, I thank you that you have called us to bigness, to largeness. And I pray that as we study this letter of Paul's to the Ephesians, that we would see something of the bigger picture again. Lord, where we have been uh, had our gaze often very shrunken uh, over recent months. I pray that we'd see the, the bigness, the largeness of the gospel, of what you're calling us into and what that means for us. I pray that we'd be encouraged and built up by the wonderful truth that we have been given in this letter. In your name I ask it. Amen. Right. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul introduces the letter and introduces who it's from and who it's to and what it's about. Who it's from? Well, it's from Paul, the apostle, who, has, who wrote so much of what we have now in our New Testament. Amazing ministry, uh, starting, planting churches all across the Roman Empire. It's from Paul, and it is to God's holy people 
in Ephesus. But if you have a Bible and you look, there's a, in this Bible there's a little A next to the word Ephesus and a note at the bottom says some early manuscripts do not have in Ephesus. And uh, that's because we think actually this letter to the Ephesians was probably a circular letter which would have gone to other churches in the region as well. When Paul was based in Ephesus, something we read about in the book of Acts, as a result of his ministry in Ephesus, churches were started in other towns and cities in the wider region of Asia. And so we think it's most likely that this letter, which we call the letter to the Ephesians, was actually the letter to the Ephesians and also to others. And, and that is helpful for us because... This letter is for us too. It's a circular letter, which was to circulate in that region at that time, but it's also circulated to us. It's for us. And what is it about? Well, Paul says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. That really sums up the gospel. God's grace, unmerited, undeserved, freely given to us, peace peace that we have now with God through Christ, which means that also we can have peace with one another. We can be brought into, into, into shalom, into an experience of peace. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what we've been proclaiming just recently at Christmas. That's the Christmas message, grace and peace. It's a gospel message. It's a message of life. It's what we need to hear. It is the bigger picture. Now, these Christians, these Ephesians and others in that region, they lived in very uncertain times. They had abandoned the normal cultural expectations of, the, of their context in order to follow Christ. And their response had been, uh, had, had been costly for them, their response to Jesus. We read in Acts how in the city of Ephesus, a riot was stirred up because of the gospel being proclaimed and the change it was bringing to that city. So these are people who have experienced uncertainty, difficulty because of the faith in Christ they've embraced. Also, the Apostle Paul, as he writes this letter, is a prisoner in Rome. So his own personal circumstances are really pretty uncertain as well. So much uncertainty, but what do we have? What do they have? Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Now think about all the uncertainty that we're facing. We didn't know that we wouldn't be having gathered church today. Uh, if you've got kids, probably still not clear. Are your kids going back to school? They're not going back to school. Students, are they going back to university? They're not going back to university. Work, what's going to happen with that this year? What's going to happen with businesses? Will they survive? All the uncertainties that we are dealing with, having to deal with at this time, which haven't been resolved by 2020 ending and 2021 starting. No, we're still facing huge uncertainties and in an uncertain world, just like these people who the letter was written to first, we need a bigger picture of the gospel and what God is doing. And that's what this letter does. So having seen the introduction, who it's from, who it's to, what it's about, we get into the meat. Let's read from verse 3 to verse 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption, to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves." 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ." In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, a promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Wow, what a passage of scripture. What an amazing passage of scripture. Now, in our Bibles, there are... A whole number of sentences in this passage and it's divided into two paragraphs but in the original greek it was written in it was just one long sentence no full stops no paragraph breaks and uh, what paul is doing here is is pronouncing a benediction or uh, the hebrew term a baraka a declaration of praise and this is a prayer of blessing for all the blessings that the ephesians had received Think back to the uh, start of the gospel story when God calls Abraham and uh, God says to Abraham, you're going to be blessed and you will be a blessing. And that's really what we see here in this opening statement of the Apostle Paul in this letter. There's a uh, promise of blessing as a thanks for the blessing that is received. There's a, actually what God promised to Abraham, Paul is articulating here uh, in greater fullness because of what Christ has now done. Uh, there's this bigger hope in this bigger blessing which the people of God have now been called into. There's completeness because of what Jesus Christ has done. Now this kind of benediction, this kind of beraka, um, was actually a feature of Jewish worship and, and, and Jewish prayer. We have some other biblical examples of these kind of benedictions, these kind of berakas, these kind of uh, blessings. Uh, in, in the uh, first book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 8, we read about King Solomon dedicating the temple. And as he does that, he begins with a, a baraka, a, a blessing, a, a benediction. He says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us or forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him and keep the commands, decrees and laws he gave our ancestors. And so it goes on for a few more verses. And, and so when the Apostle Paul writes the introduction to this letter, he's, he's drawing, drawing on his heritage as, as, as a Jew, as a, as a Hebrew. He's drawing on that heritage of these kind of blessings being pronounced. But the blessing we have here in Ephesians 1 is a much bigger blessing than any of the other blessings, benedictions, berakas uh, like this that we see in the Bible. Sometimes... When uh, Jewish people wrote letters to one another, they'd, they'd begin with a with a baraka, with a with a blessing. 
um, as Paul does in this letter. But they were never as long as this blessing is here in Ephesians. Uh, Paul is really uh, laying it on thick in this blessing. It's a long blessing. And its construction is careful and thought through. You can see in the way that Paul writes it, this isn't just off the cuff. This is thought through. It's rich and it's deep. But it also reveals some spontaneity. It's not um, simply scripted. It's, it's carefully thought about, but it also shows some spontaneity in, in the language that Paul uses. And actually, that gives us a really helpful model for how we are to pray and how we are to worship. That uh, when we pray, when we worship, it's good to have some thought through structure. We, we draw on what scripture tells us and what the church has taught over the centuries. Um, but also we look for that kind of that spontaneous uh, delight in God. And um, we want to be a prophetic people. And, and to be truly prophetic actually is to be truly scriptural. The, the way, to, way to prophesy truth is to, is to have your prophecy based on what Scripture says, because Scripture is the Word of God. And that's what we see in what Paul writes here. It's a kind of prophetic blessing, uh, but profoundly scriptural, profoundly theological. So it's a model for our prayer and worship, and it is absolutely jammed-packed full of theology, full of truth about God, who God is, what God has done, and what that means for us. And that actually presents something of a challenge when it comes to do what I'm doing now, which is to try and preach from this passage. I mean, what can you say about a passage like this? There's a sense in which it's actually quite intimidating because it's such a vast portion of Scripture, what it communicates. Uh, I almost feel that we might do better just to read it through 10 or 12 times and just leave it at that, just keep hearing it again and again. Uh, that, that might be one approach, or, or you can go to the other approach and try and say everything about this passage. Uh, the famous preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones famously spent um, 37 messages preaching through Ephesians chapter 1. So you can either say, well, this is such an amazing passage, either almost we, we say nothing and just keep reading it, or we try and say everything and preach dozens and dozens of sermons on it. Now, actually, neither of those are appropriate options for, for this. And uh, in the short time that I have, and I'm certainly not going to spend 37 sermons going through Ephesians chapter 1, in the short time I've got left uh, here, what I want to do is I'm going to take three quotes which help us to orientate ourselves in the bigger picture of what Paul is expressing here. Three ways of looking at the gospel picture that Paul paints and there's so much more to see that I'm going to be able to share in the next few minutes. So much more to see, but I'm going to take these three quotes which help us to get something of the picture. Three blessings that we have received and which this benediction, this blessing, this barakah um, declares to us. So, first blessing is this, the blessing of our riches in Christ, the blessing of our riches in Christ. And I want to use a quote from Photius, who was Bishop of Constantinople in the ninth century. So 1,200 years ago, we're going back to see what Photius says. He says this, He blessed us through the Son. 
He chose us through the Son. He adopted through the Son. He shed favour through the Son. And how through the Son? Oh, marvellous thing. Through his blood, he says. Do you see the richness of grace and how exceedingly abundant and unutterable the mercy? And not only these things, but also he made known to us the mystery of his will. Through what means? Even this came through his Son. Everything came through the Son, whose good pleasure agrees in every way with the Father. That is a brilliant summary of what Paul is writing here. Everything came through the Son. Everything came through the Son. Come to Jesus and you get the lot. In Jesus, we find everything we could ever need and more than we ever dreamed of the riches that are ours in Christ. We have this promise of being blessed and being a blessing because of Christ. That was the promise that God made to Abraham. You're going to be blessed and you're going to be a blessing. Now we, through Christ, are caught up in that blessing to be a blessing. And in 2021, we need to see the bigger picture of all that is ours in Christ Jesus. We need to see the riches, the blessing of the riches that are ours in Christ. Now, Ephesians chapter 1 is one of the Bible passages that speaks most gloriously of the security, the spiritual security we know in Christ, a security in Christ and because of Christ. It, Paul says here that we have been chosen, predestined and adopted in and by Christ. And we could very easily spend a whole series of sermons on each of those themes. And we have talked about these things before. And particularly recently, we've been focusing quite a lot on what it means to be adopted as children of God. But what it means to be chosen, elect, predestined, adopted. We could so easily just spend hours and hours exploring these themes. But it, it's amazing how often actually these things have been controversial, especially that word predestined often caused controversy. And um, what Paul is saying here, basically, is you've been predestined. If you believe, if you believe in Christ, it's because you were chosen by God for belief. The reason that you are able to believe is because God chose you to believe. Now, when we state that, immediately questions start to be raised. Well, what about Christians who fall back into sin? Or what about those people who don't believe. What's the story with them? Those are good questions, reasonable questions. And um, if you wanted to explore more the subject of predestination of election, well, certainly I can recommend some resources to help you to do that. But for now, let's put some of those questions aside and just glory in the amazing truth which is stated here. Let's just glory in the truth that is given to us here in God's word. If you know Christ you can be absolutely certain that he wanted you to know him. God wanted you to know him. You can be absolutely certain that God is holding on to you. He's got you. He's holding you fast. And you can be absolutely certain that you belong in God's family. We can be certain, as it says here in verse 5, that this is according to God's pleasure and will. It's according to his pleasure. 
There's no reluctance on God's part in having you as a member of his family. If you believe in Christ, God has chosen you for belief, for his pleasure. He delights in that. And God has chosen you with intent. It's according to his will. There's, there's no accident about you believing in Christ. There's no accident about you being part of the church. No, God intended, he wanted, he willed that you would be part of his people. There is no second class membership. This isn't one of those things like where if you, you can have a different degree of membership depending on how much money you pay to get in. And if you give more than you'll be higher up and have more access. That's not how it works. No, there's no second class membership. If you're in, you are in. If you belong, you belong because you belong. You've been included in Christ, says in verse 13. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. If you, if you believe in Christ, you belong. You're in. You're part of. You're a member in. You're held secure. And the world in which we live does feel so insecure so much of the time. There's, there's so much insecurity at this time with all the unknowns that we're dealing with and all the things which might happen this year and just insecurity upon insecurity but our security in Christ is so much greater and we need to see the bigger picture of the blessings of the riches that are ours in Christ and what if you don't yet know Christ what if you don't yet know him well you can step into this knowing him. You can step into this membership, this belonging. See what Paul writes in verses 12 and 13. He talks about those who knew first, those who first came to know Christ. And then he says, and you also were included. You also, who? You Ephesians and the Colossians, you probably read this letter as well. And the Laodiceans, you probably read this letter as well. You also were included. And us, you also were included. Included, they were told about Jesus. They didn't know who Jesus was. And then Paul turned up in Ephesus and started to preach Jesus and they responded and they stepped into this place of security, of belonging, of family, of membership, of being in Christ and knowing the riches that were theirs in Christ. They were told and they believed. They stepped into the bigger picture. They stepped into the riches of Christ. And if you don't yet know Christ, if you've Stumbled across this church recording somehow, I don't know. Well, you can step into the riches of Christ as well. Even now, you can step into the riches that are yours in Christ. You can know what it is to be sure that you've been chosen, predestined, uh, adopted as a member of God's family. And those of us who know that already, let's see the blessing of our riches in Christ. What a blessing. Second blessing is the blessing of total forgiveness. Going to go a bit further forward in history now from Photius in the 9th century to Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones was minister of Westminster Chapel in the last century and uh, over eight years between 1954 and 1962 he did this epically long series on the letter to the Ephesians and uh, in that series on this chapter he says this, when God forgives us our sins he keeps nothing at all back. 
There is no reservation and there are no conditions. When God forgives our sins, he keeps nothing at all back. There is no reservation and there are no conditions. This is the shocking good news of God's grace. Verse 4, it says, he chose us to be holy and blameless. Verse 7, we have forgiveness of sins. Yes. You know, complete forgiveness is really hard. If someone does something to us which offends us, it can be really hard to forgive it. And it can be even harder to forget it. And it might be even that we feel that we've forgiven somebody. Maybe we even have really forgiven some somebody. And then something happens, something else happens, or maybe just an anniversary, a date, or a particular set of circumstances reminds you of that thing which caused you all that pain. And it can well up again and we can find that rather ha than having forgotten it, it's still kind of lodged in us painfully. And even though we've forgiven or felt we've forgiven that we can find that unforgiveness starts to form again. That's, that's how it is for us. Complete, total forgiveness is really hard for us to do. But God's forgiveness is not like that. God's forgiveness is complete. No reservation. No conditions. Amazing. And maybe today you know that you need some forgiveness in your life. Maybe you, you need some forgiveness. I think the reality is that often Christmas and New Year are times when the little foxes can get into our lives. It's, it's easy for stuff to happen, isn't it? We can get a little bit careless, a little bit lazy, whatever it is, and uh, it's easy to fall into little sins over the Christmas and New Year season, and maybe even in terms of our interactions and relationships with others, maybe other family members, whatever, things can get a bit tetchy, and, and you just might just feel the need of some forgiveness at this time. And, and, and you can know forgiveness for whatever it is that you might need forgiveness for, today because of the totality of the forgiveness which is already yours in Christ. When God forgives us our sins, he keeps nothing at all back. There is no reservation. There are no conditions. The totality, the completeness of our forgiveness is absolute. And, and, and the really shocking thing is that in these verses, there's no reference whatsoever to anything that we should do in order to get this forgiveness. It's simply a declaration of blessing. You have been forgiven. You've been chosen to be holy and blameless. You have received forgiveness from your sins uh, through the blood of Christ. You have been forgiven. And we, and, and we can think, well, surely it can't be that simple. Surely it can't be that comprehensive. Surely there's something I've got to do. And scripture just says, forgiven. Forgiven. We need to step afresh into this amazing grace. Yeah, maybe you know that you are forgiven by Christ and you just need to step into this grace again. Or it might be that you've never stepped into the forgiveness of Christ and again, today might be your day where you can step into it, experience it, know it. You know, you know forgiveness is incredibly freeing. If there's unforgiveness, if, if we're carrying things in our hearts where we are not forgiving others or if we have done things which need to be forgiven and we haven't received that forgiveness, that's, those things are incredibly binding, controlling. Forgiveness is incredibly freeing. When we know, I've messed up, but they've forgiven me, or 
they messed up, but I've forgiven them. It just brings freedom. And we know, we can know, we have received forgiveness, complete, unreserved, unconditional forgiveness from Christ. What a blessing. How much freedom we have. The blessing of total forgiveness. Wonderful. And then the third blessing I want us to think about is the blessing of our cosmic destiny. And uh, this quote is from a, a theologian called Frank Thielman, and it's from a commentary of his I found helpful, which is in the last few years, and he says this, God is in the process of organizing the entire universe, both its heavenly dimension and its earthly dimension around Christ. The historical course of the universe finds its organizational principle in him. The whole universe is being organized around Christ. Well, the world often feels chaotic, doesn't it? Especially at the moment, everything seems to be in absolute chaos. And we know the principle of entropy that things don't get more organized by themselves. Actually, they seem to become more chaotic, more random. But God is bringing all things together. At the beginning of the story, Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in that creation story, we see an intended unity in the universe, uh, that God intended heaven and earth to be united rather than separated, and that God and people were to be united rather than separated, and people and the created world were to be united rather than separated, and men and women were to be united rather than at hostility with one another. But that unity was broken by our rebellion against God, our, our sin broke unity. It messed up relationships between Adam and Eve, between the first man and the first woman. It messed up relationship between human beings and the created order. It, it, it brought a rupture into the universe itself. What was ordered was replaced by disorder. What was balanced became out of kilter. What was harmonious became a place of conflict. And that fundamental problem, that's the fundamental problem of the human race. It's the fundamental problem of the universe. That problem of disunity has now been resolved by what Christ has done. And a lot of the rest of the letter really is Paul explaining how that works, how Christ is now uniting all things. And we live in this world which at the moment feels very uncertain with so many unknowns, but we know that he will bring all things to unity, yes. And so when our lives feel chaotic, and maybe your life feels a bit chaotic at the moment, our destiny is to be caught up in the unity that Christ is bringing. What a blessing. We have this confidence that even though we can see the chaos of the world around us at the moment, the word of God tells us that Christ is bringing all things together into unity. And that is our cosmic destiny. Our destiny isn't one of conflict and disharmony. Our destiny is to be united with Christ and in him all things to come together. That's where the world, that's where the universe is headed. What a blessing. And so as we start 2021, with all its questions, its uncertainties, its unknowns, its chaos, Let's see the bigger picture of what God 
is doing. Let's step into the blessings that are ours, the riches that are ours in Christ, the forgiveness that is ours in Christ, and the destiny that we have in Christ. We are blessed to be a blessing, and nothing can stop that. No virus, no political system, nothing can stop that. We are blessed to be a blessing, called and chosen in Christ, forgiven by him, and with a destiny that is eternal, universal, and amazing in its scope. What a great letter Ephesians is, how good the gospel is. Let's get into this bigger picture. God bless you, Gateway.